one of the things that I found was really beneficial for me is that what I was doing in my side hustle only improved what I was doing in my job. Um, and I was reading an article the other day about how cool would it be if student affairs professionals um, you know, shared what they were learning in their side hustles with their teams or with other departments. I think everyone can learn so much more. We're in our one jobs and we're doing that one thing, but what are the other things? My top skill or top strength is learner. So I'm always wanting to learn about new things. So I would love it if someone from, you know, I was in res life, if someone from orientation office was doing something and they came and shared. Um, so things like that of taking it as yes, it is something that's not your job that you're doing on the side, but it really could impact your job in such a positive way. We are discussing with our very special guests who are leaders and practitioners in and around student affairs who are engaging in side hustles or side businesses outside and or adjacent to their primary role. Student Affairs Now is the premier podcast and learning community for thousands of us who work in, alongside, or adjacent to the field of higher education and student affairs. We release episodes every week on Wednesdays, and you can find details about this episode or browse our archives at studentaffairsnow.com. Today's episode, we have a couple of sponsors that we want to recognize. Stylist Publishing is proud to be a sponsor for Student Affairs Now podcast. Browse their student affairs, their diversity, professional development titles at stylistpub.com. Use the promo code SANOW for 30% off all books plus free shipping. And you can find Stylist on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at Stylist Pub. This episode is also sponsored by Anthology. Transform your student experience in advanced co-curricular learning with Anthology Engage. With this technology platform, you are able to easily manage student organizations, efficiently plan events, and truly understand student involvement to continuously improve your engagement efforts at your institution. Learn more by visiting anthology.com forward slash engage. As I mentioned, I'm your host, Glenda Guzman. I'm the Associate Dean of Students and Director of Residential Life at the University of California, Berkeley. I use the he series of my pronouns, and I'm hosting this conversation, again, from my home in Livermore, California, which is the ancestral home of the Ohlone peoples. So let's meet our cool panelists for today. Uh, so I would like for our panelists to really quickly introduce themselves. And as you're introducing yourselves, because this is an episode about side hustles, I would love to hear your pitch and give us an overview of your side hustle outside of your primary work. So let's start with Marnie. Awesome. Thank you. Really excited to be here. Um, my name is Marnie Randall. I use she, her pronouns. And I'm currently in Martinez, California, um, which is in the East Bay area. And it's on Ohlone land, specifically belonging to the Karkin people. My primary work is I serve as an assistant director for the Department of Residential Life at UC Berkeley. And a quick snapshot of what that entails is I supervise professional staff um, who are master's degree staff in a larger team of around 25 professional staff members. We serve 170 student leaders and um, serve around 8,600 live-in students. Um, in my work, I do a lot of strategic decision-making, crisis response, um, and also support our identity and interest-based theme programs, while also doing a lot with campus partnerships, pre uh, presentations, public speaking, et cetera. And also, which kind of ties into my side hustle, is I really love to infuse coaching 
and uh, focus um, practices focused on diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. Um, so a little bit more about my side hustle is I am a certified professional coach and founder of Academic Advisory Council, which is a coaching company focused on one-on-one uh, -on -one coaching services um, for a lot of uh, a lot of folks. Typically, I focus on um, working with college students or entry-level professionals. Um, I also do a lot of presentations and workshop facilitation. Um, and how I got involved in this side hustle is, um, well, I come from an entrepreneurial family um, where I was really uh, raised with this idea that I can do multiple jobs at the same time. And I saw my grandparents working a trucking business um, while also uh, having a lot of my family members, including my mom, drive trucks and either completing their degrees at the same time, working in real estate, working in law, um, and, and folding in a variety of, of um, different work. And so I grew up with that and realized like, I can do that too. Um, and so with that, I've, I've really paired my 10 plus years of higher ed experience with my passion for mentorship and helping people achieve their goals. A lot of that involves navigating systems and access and focusing on professional development and goal attainment. And you know, with that, I, I really do uh, view myself as a trailblazer in the field of, of coaching and, and how that ties into higher education and student affairs. I started my coaching business in 2013. And I remember going to a lot of higher ed conferences and being that person where people ask like, oh, what's, what institution are you affiliated with? And I would say, actually, I own my own coaching business and let's talk about that. Um, and now I feel like that's kind of changed a little bit more over time, but I remember having that kind of nervous anxiety saying like, okay, well, I'm not associated with an institution. I'm representing myself and my brand and, and being able to talk about what coaching is. Mm. Um, so in, in my work, I get really excited about working one-on-one you know, -on -one with clients. And um, as I mentioned, really focused on goal attainment and holistic development and helping uh, clients be the best versions of themselves. Um, and so really infusing focus on um, DEIB work, uh, professional development and wellness. And um, what really keeps me going is, is really recognizing that um, I am you know, a woman leader from underrepresented background, I identify as multiracial, um, and really thinking about how I navigate space and access and how I've really built my, my business um, while uh, staying aligned with my values. So definitely excited to share more, but that's just a little bit more about me. I'm looking forward to you sharing more. And I, you know, I, in transparency, I also have the opportunity to get to work with you because we're in the same department. So uh, a lot of the things that you mentioned, like, wow, that's really interesting because you, you're, you're definitely pairing your student affairs background. And I, you know, didn't know too much about your family background and this entre entrepreneurial background. So that's really fascinating. Looking forward to hearing what you have to say more. Let's turn to Joshua. Joshua. Hi, y'all. I'm excited to be on this panel. And Marnie, so good to hear about your story. I'm inspired by you all the time and so excited to get to hang out with you for this hour. Um, but everyone, I am Dr. Joshua Moon Johnson. I use he, him, his pronouns. And I'm coming to you from Miwok, Maidu, and Nisanan land in Sacramento, California. Um, my day job, my full-time position is a Dean of Student Services at American River College, which is a community college in Sacramento for about 32,000 students. So we're one of the largest community colleges in Sacramento. 
I also serve as the Title IX coordinator for our institution. Uh, my role changes very uh, regularly. I think that um, we're a team uh, in student services, or is what we call it mostly in the community college system, but um, I'm a student affairs person um, by training and by lifelong goals and purpose. And so it just looks a little bit differently as I move from four years to uh, community college uh, and institutions. My side hustles, I guess I would call them, um, they just kind of evolved. I'm not really sure how I ended up in that. I've always been kind of a nerd for education and social justice all around, and I just kept putting my hands in everything, and then people started paying me to do it. Um, I would say my main thing that I do outside of my normal job is consulting uh, for higher education, nonprofits, and for-profit organizations really around equity and social justice planning. And this evolved from uh, my own experience. Uh, I was recently a Dean of Student Services for Equity Programs, and I was able to lead our institution with creating a long-term strategic equity plan. And I learned a lot and I grew a lot. And then I've done a handful of presentations at conferences about it and people were like, can you help us make one too? And so I was like, I guess so. Um, and then with that, I worked with a couple of different, um, I guess, groups. Uh, one is uh, Butter Consulting led by Raja Butter. So I serve as a senior consultant uh, with them and we get to work with a number of institutions around the country. Um, also with Watson Consulting. So being a partner with that, to, uh, to partner with them to do some organizations. And then uh, one of my colleagues, Dr. Emily Prieto and I were regularly asked to do consulting. And so we created our own consulting firm, an LLC called PMJ Consulting. And so we mostly work with higher education too. Outside of that, um, I've been regularly teaching. Um, and so when I was at four-year institutions, I always tried to get to teach at the institution. The community college world in California, we don't teach at our own institution. So I mostly have been uh, faculty in EDD programs as a dissertation uh, committee member or specialist. And so I've been doing that for about five years now. And I love working with doctoral students to help them hone their research and to get that publication uh, finalized uh, and move on to uh, graduating. Um, and a lot of these evolved from me and my, my writing experience. Um, I've always been in student affairs, never done the tenure track process, but I've always been, uh, had my hands into research, which started with me publishing my dissertation uh, around intersections of LGBTQ students, religion, and um, race. Uh, and then that evolved as I've been in spaces where I was a director of an LGBT center, then director of a multicultural center, and realizing there wasn't much literature about um, by QTPOC students. So I was like, someone needs to write this book. Um, and that evolved. And then my book that's about to come out is Queer and Trans Advocacy in the Community College with Stylist Publishing. Um, and that one really evolved because I helped start one of the first LGBT centers in the community college world, I started presenting about it at conferences and people ate it up. And I was like, well, I guess someone needs to like write a manual or a how-to and like really promote that out there. So my side hustles really just emerged from um, me being passionate about social justice, specifically within higher education and not being able to just sit still and wanting to do something about it. And so that's been um, an honor and a privilege that I get to do this kind of work um, and you know, it, it all, it's, it's a job, but it's also a lifelong purpose too. I love hearing your story and, and especially as you're able to tie your work with your passion. So, and getting paid. So 
definitely uh, looking forward to hearing more from you as well, Joshua. Let's go to Nat, our very own Nat from our from Student Affairs Now, actually. Nat. Hi, um, so great to hear from both of you, Marnie and Joshua. Um, my name is Nat Ambrosi. I use she, her pronouns. Um, I'm currently in San Diego, so the sunny San Diego. I love it here. Um, my current work, I am actually not in student affairs, um, but then that's how I talk about my side hustle. I am a digital storyteller for a company called Rise Athletes, which was founded by two Olympians who really wanted to change the game of mental health and mindset development for youth athletes in sport. Um, so I help create the website and do graphic design and video for them. Um, different institutions that I've worked at, I went to school at the University of Delaware um, in Florida and then worked in athletics at the University of Arizona. And I know both Glenn and Marnie from Berkeley. So um, a little bit about my side hustle. I am actually the production assistant for Student Affairs Now. Um, so usually I'm behind the scenes and at the end of the episodes, it's like, we want to give a shout out to Nat for, you know, doing this episode. Well, here I am. Um, and so I would say it was probably the beginning of this year. Glenn reached out to me and was like, hey, we're looking for someone to kind of help us out with student affairs now. Would you be interested? I know you're not in student affairs, um, but I jumped at the opportunity because even though like my main background is um, in creative design. I still had a passion for student affairs and still do. Um, I did my under, or not undergrad, I wish, um, my grad school in student affairs. And so this opportunity to be able to still be in like the student affairs realm, because I listen to each and every podcast and I've learned so much. And I'm like, wow, a lot has changed even in the year that I haven't been in it um, has just been amazing. So that's a little bit about me. Thanks, Nat. It's actually going to be kind of fun, too, because when I do get to the end and when I thank you, you actually get to see you, right, on, on the video. So that's going to be kind of cool. So let's jump right in. And Marnie, I want to ask you this question. You know, I think Side Hustle obviously has been around for a while, but I think one of the key pieces about Side Hustle, it, it's been controversial into some, to, to in, in, in different ways. I think oftentimes people talk about, you know, they don't want to talk about side hustles, whether it's with their supervisor or just letting their, their institution know they're engaging in that. And I know that you've been a big supporter of side hustles, and, but I'd like to hear from your perspective, why do you think this topic is controversial to the point where people just don't talk about it? Mm -hmm. I really appreciate this question because I think it gives us a chance to just really dive right in and be really clear about talking about side hustles and how that ties into primary work and navigating all of that. Um, I think in my experience, um, some of the things that tie into, you know, side hustle being controversial or, or uh, something that makes people not want to talk about side hustles is a, a lot of different things. So the first that comes to mind is um, this idea about conflict of interest. And so I know um, some folks are kind of, you know, nervous about talking about what, the side, what their side hustle is because they don't want to fear about like, oh, well, um, you're using your primary work to connect with people to bring them over to benefit for you personally for your side hustle. Um, so I think, you know, conflict of interest is something that I've navigated a lot in my work as a coach and entrepreneur. And so I've actually kind of flipped the script on that a little bit. And so when I applied, for example, at my my role at Berkeley, 
um, I was very clear to say, I have a, I have a coaching business. This is what I do. This is what I bring to the work in a sense of a coaching lens. And out of respect for my primary employer and for my business, I will really keep those as separate as possible. And so being clear about that and also being clear with clients to say, I do work at Berkeley. Um, if there's a Berkeley connection, I kind of think about how we can be as clear as possible about that. Or maybe I'm not the best person for them to work with and I can do some referrals where, where applicable. So I think talking about that and saying conflict of interest is understandable and it's something to think about. Um, I think another thing that comes up a lot is there's this fear of, you know, if I share that I have a side hustle, that my employer will think that I'm not focused enough on my primary work. And so um, really thinking about how we separate ourselves from our primary work and our business. So I think there's a lot of ways to, to navigate that and to be clear about, okay, these are my work hours and these are my side hustle hours. And some of the ways that I role model that is, I'll be very clear with people who I talk with to say, I'm a morning person and I knock out best of my business things in the morning before I start my primary Berkeley work. And that's helpful because I don't like to multitask. I'm not really the best at it. And also it allows me to really focus on my side hustle and then to really shift and focus on my primary work because that is, both are deserving of my, my full attention. Um, another thing that comes up is this idea around imposter syndrome. So folks feeling like um, they're not you know, good enough to actually have a side hustle or they're not qualified enough to have a side hustle. And so they often may minimize it and say like, oh, I have this thing I like to do on the side. I you know, volunteer, I do this, but it's not really that big of a deal. We don't really need to talk about it. Let's just talk about my primary work. And um, I think a lot of that ties into the sense of confidence and, and owning it and saying, yeah, I, I do have this side hustle. I'm, I'm building this business or I'm starting to meet some more clients or um, I'm, I'm really interested in exploring this further and this is something that's developing for me. And I know that that confidence piece is something that I've definitely um, you know, been challenged with as someone who, as I shared earlier, as part of my intro, you know, I'm a multiracial woman leader. Like I have a lot of um, things where I often second guess myself. And so that ties into that imposter syndrome and the confidence. Um, and also the last piece I think about side hustles is sometimes they are a necessity for people and that is, that is real. Um, sometimes we have the opportunity to uh, embrace a side hustle as from a point of privilege where it's a passion area, whereas other folks are saying like, no, I need this side hustle out of necessity. And once again, it kind of ties into the fear of not being focused on primary work or this idea that um, I might be, I might be you know, judged or um, being misperceived about what I'm doing for my side hustle, and I don't want that to, to be brought into my primary work. So I think there's a lot more, but those are some of the main things that, that come to mind initially. Thank you, Marnie. You know, you know when, you, when you shared that, your, your point about imposter syndrome resonated with me, for sure. You know, I think as a first-generation professional, confidence was a big piece, and I really didn't even start engaging in my side hustle until much further into my professional career. And it really took the support and help from other people just to kind of even recognize that I do have a skill set and I do have this passion and I can engage in other, other mm -hmm. pieces of work outside of my primary work. Um, 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 Joshua, Marnie spoke also about, I'm pulling a piece from what she just shared about um, that this concern of, of side hustles 
pulling folks away from their primary work. And there has been perspectives that see the engagement of student affairs professionals um, in work outside their employment as a distraction from their full-time work. Um, we talk about wellness and balance. We talk about student affairs already stretched thin. Newer professionals are still learning how to balance their plate. So doesn't side hustles really go, like encouraging side hustles go against that? And how would you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I think Marnie hit on so many good points and I support those. I think a few key things that Marnie hit on, one is being very transparent and communicating with your organization and your supervisor, that it shouldn't be something that's sneaky or you're hiding. And so really questioning like, okay, how am I doing this and communicating with this as well? So that's a really key point with it at that point. I think when thinking about like the ethical considerations, I think one big ethical consideration is our institutions need to pay people what they deserve. And then maybe there won't be so many student people with three side hustles as we're trying to like make a living and pay off student loans. And so I know when I first started out doing jobs randomly, my first student affairs job was as a resident director. And I think almost all of us had something on the side. And so I worked at Express at the mall on Saturdays and on one evening a week, it was like, okay, I can do something else. And so, but many of my colleagues worked at coffee shops, were servers, all kinds of things. So I think that that's pretty normal for entry-level student affairs professionals because we know student affairs doesn't often pay what it should pay. Um, and I think as my career has evolved, I don't have to do this for money anymore. I do it because I want our society and our institutions to be better places specifically for marginalized folks. And so if anybody were to tell me that me trying to do social justice advocacy and consulting uh, for another institution, I would question their ethics. And so that's a key point with it too. For me, anytime I'm going to consult or speak at another institution, my supervisor knows about those things. And I think when it comes to if it's something where I'm traveling across the country for a few days, or if I'm even leaving my work to go to an institution 30 minutes away, I take vacation time for those kind of things. We typically get lots of vacation, at least in public institutions. So I'm okay to use mine for those things. Um, that's not a big deal. Similar to Marnie, um, right now, one of my clients is an institution on the East Coast. I do a lot of 6 a.m. meetings because it's 9 a.m. on the East Coast for me in California. So I can do a couple of meetings between 6 and 8 and still do my normal job. Um, I find that doing other projects often helps me balance a little bit better because I think every institution I worked at that you could give your whole life and you will never be done with the work that you do. And so student affairs is all consuming. And so as I've learned how to balance my personal life with side projects or passion projects with my full-time job, I've learned to balance a lot more. So my first few student affairs jobs, I was probably working 60 hours a week and living in the residence hall, so you're never really off. And so this has been really helpful for me to have kind of defined times when I'm working on different projects. But I think a few key things is really communicate and be transparent with your supervisor or organization and make sure that you are managing your time adequately. Um, I think for anyone wanting to do kind of side work or side hustles or businesses, um, definitely make sure you got your core job uh, like unlocked, like you have it done, you're, you're, you're at least at that meeting expectations level before you try to bring on other things and do many things as well. Because um, you do want to make sure that your, your job that probably is bringing you benefits is secure um, and that you're happy in that environment. 
Thank you for that. You know, uh, Joshua and Marnie, you speak to the relationship that need the, the communication that needs to occur between the um, the individual and their supervisor when you know when you start to look into side hustles. Um, and Natalie, I want to pose this question to you. Um, you know, obviously, I think even you know, I think about just the number of student affairs professionals that I know of. Um, who are talking about and, and, and more openly open about their side hustles outside of their primary roles. Um, how can universities support professionals if they're interested or uh, in engaging in side hustles or already in a side hustle? From your experience, what has helped you? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. It's funny because actually the other day I was talking to one of my friends who I was an RA with, and she's an academic advisor back at um, our undergraduate institution. And she said, you know, I want to do something on the side just to, you know, lighten up what I'm doing. Like, it's great being an academic advisor, but I get off at three o'clock. So what else could I do? Um, and she's like, you know, there, a target opened up. Maybe I want to do that because um, she's definitely a very extroverted person. Um, so that could be good. And we did have the discussion, um, both what Marnie and Joshua said about, you know, what does that look like talking to your supervisor? Um, and one of the things, so when I was working at the University of Arizona, I was a graphic designer in the athletics department, um, but I also supervised a student. So it kind of brought everything together with the student affairs aspect, but also working in athletics. Um, and I was also doing the side hustle for graphic design. And so one of the things that I had the conversation with my supervisor was, hey, this is something that I want to do. It's not going to be during work hours. And similar to student affairs, athletics, you work 70 plus hours a week. Um, pre-COVID because when there was football games and basketball games and things like that. Um, so she knew like, okay, you need to figure out what your time management is and how you're going to structure your time with that, but you also need to be at work. Um, and so I think one of the things that we chatted about was that trust piece. So she knew that she could trust me that I was going to get my work done and it was going to be to its fullest potential. Um, so the thing with design as well is, you know, you could put all your effort one place and then you're like, okay, what now? Like, do I have any more energy to do this? So she, she wasn't worried, but I could see that that could be a concern for some supervisors if you're doing something very similar in your full-time job and as your side hustle. Um, so really just that communication and, and trust. And one of the things that I found was really beneficial for me is that what I was doing in my side hustle only improved what I was doing in my job. Um, and I was reading an article the other day about how cool would it be if student affairs professionals, um, you know, shared what they were learning in their side hustles with their teams or with other departments. I think everyone can learn so much more. We're in our one jobs and we're doing that one thing, but what are the other things? My top skill or top strength is learner. So I'm always wanting to learn about new things. So I would love it if someone from, you know, I was in res life, if someone from orientation office was doing something and they came and shared. Um, so things like that of taking it as yes, it is something that's not your job that you're doing on the side, but it really could impact your job in such a positive way. I would also add, it also probably helps with culture as well. I think you, what you just shared made me think about the fact that even in my side hustle, I have had people in my department approach me about, and asking questions because they were curious, not necessarily to pursue it as a side hustle, but they just had a question because of the knowledge and, you know, and, and experience I might I have in, in what I do. So thanks for sharing that. Um, I want to shift a little bit. I know that, uh, and, and I want to pose this question for Marnie. I know over the years, 
um, you facilitated conversations with other student, uh, student affairs professionals on the uh, sort of like the art of the side hustle. Um, and, and I think that really does a lot in normalizing this, this uh, the reality that people do engage in side hustles. I'm curious to know in those conversations that you have, what do you talk about? And what are you hearing as to why more student affairs professionals are pursuing side hustles? Yeah, thank you, Glenn. And it's it's really been my honor, and I'm very humbled to be able to to share um, you know space to talk about my experience with side hustles and to you know, share resources and best practices, and to also learn from other folks in those spaces too. Um, and you know, I do also want to um, uplift and affirm what um, Nat has shared too about the trust piece because um, I think that is a really important element, and I I wanted to make sure I touched on that. Um, even with my response about um, communication, about communication, about what side hustle I'm doing and how that ties into my work. And I, I know that there's a trust piece with that. You know, I've trusted my, my supervisor or my team members to talk for me to share what my side hustle is and, and how that ties into, you know, me and my passion areas. But I also wouldn't want to, um, want, wouldn't want for that to be assumed. And I hope I hope that makes sense, especially because we are talking about side hustles and I want folks to also feel like it's, it is also their, um, their information to share because in student affairs, sometimes we do get very, you know, in, intermeshed and, you know, if things are outside of work and um, I wouldn't expect that folks feel like they have to share, I think it also depends on maybe what the side hustle is. So I just want to make sure I, I shared that here in this space and I think some of that does tie into what I've, what I've shared about, you know, side hustles in terms of um, normalizing it and humanizing the work by saying, you know, here's what my side hustle is and um, talking about how I started it and how that's connected to my passions within student affairs, within mentorship, um, within, you know, providing people access to information and to help you know, reduce barriers um, because I, I experienced a lot of barriers, you know, throughout my life and I wasn't sure of who to go to. And so that's why I wanted to start my side hustle to give space for that. Um, and so I, I love to share about my why and how I did it. And um, I'm very open about talking about that and what resources I, I've navigated because um, it's very grassroots, you know, effort. It's, it's mine. And I'm, I'm the sole person who works you know, in my coaching business, I don't have a team to, you know, marketing or, um, you know, social media, things like that. And, um, and so being able to talk about that and say, I didn't, I didn't have a lot of social capital about how to start a business or have a lot of um, financial support to make that happen. Um, and I think that's important to share with folks, because I think often there's this idea about what an entrepreneur is, what they look like, what, information that they they're already operating with and what resources they may have and I really really want to debunk that um, and so a lot of that in my conversations has been about making the implicit explicit and so asking folks like what questions do you have here's the resources I've used how can this be beneficial to you and what idea are you thinking about doing for a side hustle and how can I support you and how can I help to propel you forward mm -hmm. Um, and so being able to, to engage in like mutual learning together is always really beneficial. Thank you. You know, Marnie shared a lot of 
information right there, Joshua. And um, it makes me think about a 2013 dissertation that I was able to uh, not read, but peruse um, by Dr. Tara Frank, which made me speak, uh, made me aware like a lot of the unspoken work that student affairs professionals have taken on for a variety of different reasons. Um, and I wanna kind of hit on something that you, you kind of raised earlier about um, the fact that you know, a lot of, particularly this generation of folks, um, they're coming out with big student loans. There's a lot of, there's a lot of money owed. There's uh, you know, trying to just sur to, to survive or thrive in, 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 in places where just rent, you know, cost of living just keeps rising and rising. And so I oftentimes hear a lot of student press professionals talk about passion pro projects, but and I always wonder, is it really about the passion project or is it, is it really about the money? Meaning that just, it's just too expensive to not be able to have a, a side hustle in your primary student affairs role. I know that there's been many articles, there's been a lot of offline conversations about like what you said earlier, we just, our field may not pay well, uh, particularly for the entry level and mid-level student affairs mm -hmm. professionals. Um, I've actually even seen, you know, obviously, folks who've been engaging in side hustles where, you know, they're realizing it pays more and they're going to pursue that side hustle than they are and going to leave the field. I'd love your thoughts just on that, um, that sort of thought, like, uh, is it about money? I mean, I think sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. It really depends. I think the person in this situation, um, but I, I think that it, it's a tough spot to be in. And I think for our institutions of higher education and, and even student affairs, which we think of us as very humanistically focused is like, we don't often see our employees as humans. We see them as what they can do for our students. And it's always like, of course, students first, students first. But at some point, if you can't support yourself as an individual and you're not happy and healthy and whole, you're not gonna be able to support students. And so I think that that's a challenge that many of us as supervisors, managers, administrators need to continue to learn that these are people that we're talking about. And sometimes these people have little mouths that they're trying to feed. Um, and so I think that that's complicated. So I think when it comes to things around like money, yeah, I think that if you're paying your you know, staff members a certain wage and they can't even afford to live in the community that they're working, there's what else do you expect them to do? Um, my, I was a, I finished my doctorate degree and I was a director at a university in Cal, in Santa Barbara. And when my student loan bills hit, I can barely afford a studio apartment. And this is as a director with a doctorate degree. And so I didn't last very long at that institution once I started to have to manage that. And so, you know what, I moved to the Midwest. And so, but even before doing that, um, I got a part-time teaching job. So there was a small liberal arts school that I taught two classes a semester there because I needed that money to actually pay off my student loans and to afford my rent. So at that point, I, yes, I love teaching. I wanted to be a more well-rounded educator, but I also needed that money too. When I didn't need the money anymore, I still taught because I liked it um, and continued with that. So then it did become more of a passion product, uh, project. And so um, I think what other thing, especially as we think about all the student development theories we all did in grad school, um, we don't even think about us as professionals and human adults that we evolve and develop as well. And so I would love it if all of the folks that I knew growing up in student affairs and those hundreds of undergrads that I recruited to be nuffs and make go into student affairs if they were still around. But even in the last two years, probably 
I don't even know how many enough uh, NASPA undergraduate fellows that I've had in my career. Probably half of them have left student affairs and it makes me kind of sad. Um, and a number of them, they wanted to live in California, maybe particularly the Bay Area. And they started to realize that if I want to choose my personal life and living near my family or living with my partner, and I can't move every three to five years, I can't stay in this field. And so I think that that was one thing. The other thing is, as humans, we evolve and student affairs was wonderful and interesting when we were 23. Is it still interesting when we're 33? Is that really what drives us now? So I think that we have to be understanding that people are in different circumstances and people evolve and change with their, within their own lives too. And it leads then to this, you know, um, this, for this, this next question that I have actually for all of you, I'd love to hear um, each of you kind of um, um, share your thoughts on this. And it's, and it's tied to um, the lessons that you would want um, to give others um, who are thinking about or want to begin their side hustle. I think you've all kind of sort of mentioned pieces throughout this conversation thus far, and I'm hoping we can encapsulate some of that into this, but if you can share one to two lessons that you would um, you'd want to give and, and share with others. And let's go with Joshua. I'll jump in. Um, I have, I mean, I think that it's something, if you're interested in, do it. And I would say one of the key things too is develop your area of expertise. If you're doing it because you want this to be long-term, um, make sure you spend the time developing that skill set. So before I ever tried to ask someone to come pay me to speak on their campus, I probably did 50 different pre presentations at NASPA, Akuhawai, ACPA. I was presenting all over the place on what I was researching, best practices, and and then people would come to my presentation like, hey, I really like that. Can you come do a professional development for my institution? I was like, oh, well, wait, someone's going to pay me to do this. Um, and then after I published my first book, it was like, oh, this person has spent three years researching and writing this. And this is something that I could contribute. And so, and I think like Marnie, I had a lot of imposter syndrome. Like, why would someone pay me? Or if they want to ask me to come and they don't say anything about money, I'm like, should I ask for money? I don't even know. And then eventually I had to start saying like, I'm taking off time from work to come to your campus to speak. So I'm actually taking a financial loss by coming to present this. So I started to really have to think about like, okay, I should be asking for this, but I had developed that expertise um, and I should be able to ask for that. Um, and especially even when I'm doing pro bono type of stuff, I make it very clear of as a, you know, first gen queer person of color, you shouldn't ask people to do this kind of work. That's my own personal emotional labor and trauma for free, but I might do it for you because I like you, but, but normally it's just a little bit upsetting and it's systemically problematic when people do that. And so, um, and no shame to people who've done that before. I still love y'all. <laughs> um, and then I think the second thing with that, I would really say too, is it doesn't start quickly. It's not like you, I mean, maybe some of you, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to start this side hustle, then all of a sudden you're booked full time. It really takes some time, take some planning, take some retreat time for yourself to really plan out what's my business plan with this as well. If you want it to be a business, do a business plan, do some research on that. Um, I was fortunate that my undergrad and grad were in business. So I kind of pulled out those old textbooks. It was like, how do I do this? How do I create a communication plan? Um, it takes planning and it takes time. And so I think that the ball will roll um, and it'll get busier. And then before you know it, like you don't even have to do much marketing because word of mouth and your reputation will just kind of carry you uh, to many opportunities. 
Josh, I want to quickly add, you know, I love what you just shared in particular, because I think that, you know, our field in general doesn't have a lot of money. So if we're going to spend money on someone to come in to do, let's say, unless we were to bring you in, we want to make sure that you, you have spent time on your craft and you have the expertise. And so I think that even exposure, you know, you're right. I've seen folks I'm like, wow, that was just wonderful. I want that person to come to my campus and to talk about X or Y or Z. So I really like how you kind of approach your work in that. Um, Nat, I'd like to hear from you. Lessons. Yeah. So I think one of the first things I want to touch on um, is a little bit, and I, I think Marnie had said this, but of like, what side hustle do I pick if I want to do something like this? And I've had colleagues in the past say like, oh, it's so great. Like you're a graphic designer. So even in working in student affairs, when I was at Berkeley, for instance, I did graphic design as well as part of my role. Um, and the one thing that I like to give advice to people is like, everyone has that thing that they're really good at. And it might not be a specific skill like design or consulting or coaching, but there is something that you do that's better than anyone else. Um, and so just having that confidence in yourself and similar to what Joshua was saying, um, reach out to people. So how I got involved in my current job at Rise, I Instagram messaged them. So I'm, I'm a little younger, uh, but I Instagram DM them and said, hey, I really love what you're doing. This is something that I find like a passion in, uh, mental health and mindset. I'd love to volunteer my time. So I started off with a few hours a week and then kind of it grew from there. And so really just put yourself out there, reach out. Um, the second piece I want to focus on is the work-life balance. So while it's great, like, yes, you have a full-time job, you have a side hustle. You also like, I'm a swimmer. So I like to swim and bike and I'm learning to surf. Like sometimes there's so many things that you can do, but you also need to find the time to be able to do what you need to do for work, but also to relax. So it's great to have a side hustle and it's great, especially like we were talking about before the finances wise. And I think even now um, with COVID, a lot of budgets at um, institutions have, has, uh, have been cut. And so um, professional development is one of those things. So with a side hustle, that's kind of your own professional development. Um, and so just realizing like, how can I structure my time, but also give time to myself? And for me, I don't have a family, like I don't have kids, well, I have a family, but I don't have kids, I don't have pets. So I'm kind of on my own and I get to structure my time. But if there's anything I could say to people with parents or parents with kids is like, take that time to spend with your kids because they're going to remember um, when you were there and, and not working all the time. So just a little bit about that. Note to self, I got to spend more time with my kids. Uh, Nat, I would actually, I wanted to touch on what you just said too. And it's reminding me, you know, especially since you're not in student affairs, you know, uh, your primary work is in, in another area. It's also reminding me as we're talking about just side hustles, we've talked about side hustles that are adjacent to or connected to our field, right? In the passion areas. But there's also a lot of student affairs professions who are engaging in uh, additional work that isn't even connected to higher. They might, I think Joshua mentioned it earlier, they could be in retail, they can be um, I, I know a colleague who creates crafts and has sold it on Etsy. Um, you know, I think about people who do art and they commission and sell some of their art. There's just different things that people engage in, sort of like to your point, Nat, pursuing talent and pursuing passion. So mm -hmm. thanks for that. And if I could add something really quick. So for mm -hmm. those, if you're listening and you're not in student affairs like me, there's still plenty of ways that 
if you still have that little piece of fire in you that says like, I really like student affairs, but I'm doing this other thing. There's ways for you to get involved. Reach back out to the mentors that you had, to your old supervisors. If you're a hall director, reach out to your RA. Like maybe they're doing something in student affairs. So there's definitely ways to also get connected kind of the opposite way. Well said. Marnie, what are some of the lessons you would like to pass on? Yeah, well, you know, Joshua and Matt, you all shared some huge gems already um, that I was kind of thinking about as well. Um, so awesome, awesome gems for sure. Um, I think some of the things that come to mind is, um, I've talked about this a little bit already, but when it comes to the side hustle, um, really recognize your value and that imposter syndrome is so real and it, it creeps up and it may continue to creep up. Um, and with that, I really push myself to think about things from a business mindset. Um, and so Joshua, that's awesome to know that you had a business background um, because I didn't. And so I had to learn all these things, but also had to change my, my brain a little bit in terms of um, thinking about, okay, if someone is approaching me with a problem and I have a solution as part of my business, that that's, that's part of my business model. Um, and so not, not giving away services for free. And that's hard in, in a uh, field like student affairs or other, other helping professions because I wanna help people. And it, it doesn't feel always very like natural to say, sure, I can help you for this fee. Um, and, but I also had to remind myself, you know, I have, for example, I have a really good friend of mine who owns a restaurant and, you know, that's a tangible good. So folks walk in, they order, they pay, they get their food. And so similar for coaching, if I'm giving coaching services to someone, that's, there's a cost associated with that. And also I do do a lot of pro bono work and Joshua, I love how you said this because I do the same where I say, I would love to, I would love to help you out. Um, let's talk about this and also um, how can I support you and, and think about um, what folks can contribute and at the same time having a really direct conversation to say, this is something I typically do as part of a service. Um, and though I really appreciate your mission or I really appreciate our connection or our relationship um, because I'm, sometimes exploring friends and money is also a little bit challenging too. So just approaching each thing with a different perspective, but also connecting back to the business. Um, and then the other thing is just having, you know, intentionality of, of the side hustle. And I know we've talked about this already, but um, folks might be really passionate about something or really great at something. And that's awesome. And if you try it as a side hustle and it takes some time, as Joshua said, and also if you try it and it's not really you know, sticking for you, that's okay too. You can always try something else and, and, and bring that, bring that still with you. And, um, you know, I think we, we kind of talked about this already, but there are quite a few reasons why people do side hustles. And I, I think I want us to make sure we kind of, um, talk about that specifically, but a little bit more maybe end with that about the intentionality is um, it can be around passion or interest and, or as I mentioned, it might be for necessity, for financial means, um, or just, I think Nat talked about this around like fulfillment outside of primary work um, and or just connection to future opportunities. And I, um, so if there's, if you wanna learn about a different field or a different office or profession, it might be great to say, hey, let me, let me volunteer like Nat said, or can I, you know, sit in and learn some things and maybe do some, um, you know, graphic design for you or, you know, offer some coaching sessions for your team. 
just to better understand the work environment um, or help out. So I think there's a lot of options, but just having intentionality around that. Thank you, Marnie. And I'm looking at time, we're starting to get near and I wanna make sure that we have time for all of you to kind of engage in our traditional last question that we have at Student Affairs now, which is, um, uh, it, it's an opportunity for you to maybe summarize what you're currently thinking about, what you're questioning, maybe something that you heard in this, in this conversation that excites you, or maybe even just some of the concerns that you have. Um, if you can take maybe 60 seconds or so to just kind of wrap it up, um, and let's start with Joshua. Yeah, as I think about the type of consulting speaking that I do mostly within higher education around equity, inclusion, social justice, um, it's becoming much uh, more um, requested around kind of social justice equity types of thing uh, because our institutions are not are pretty hostile climates to folks who are on the ground doing their work as full-time jobs. Um, the number of friends who I had in senior level DEI jobs who left higher education because of the hostility and the lack of support and the tokenism, all of those things. Um, so now many institutions are wanting to bring in outsiders because no one will stay at those institutions. So I think that with that, yes, I love to go be able to support people and to consult. Um, but I think we also need to think about the folks who are at those institutions doing those work. How do we support them and retain them uh, and develop them as well? Um, if the only people specifically, let's say like BIPOC folks or queer and trans folks or women of color, like the only folks you can get to come is that you pay to come to your campus for two to four days. That's kind of problematic too. So I think that that's kind of where I still have a lot of thoughts and questions when I come in as an outsider um, to do DEI consulting work or speaking, um, and then I get to leave. And I kind of love that about it too. Um, but also I feel sad when I leave and I know that the people that I've talked to are left in that environment that's often not the most positive environment too. Thanks for raising that. That's a good, that's a good perspective. Nat. Yeah. So I think I've been thinking about this as I produce each podcast. So I listen through, I transcribe, do all of that. Um, and one of the things I was talking to a friend who's never been in student affairs, doesn't even know what it is. Um, so I was explaining a little bit to her about what it is and talking about one of our most recent episodes. And she was like, why don't like more of the world talk about this. Like, I think it was the episode on policing and um, campus. And I was like, oh, I'll share the episode. But really, like, how are we taking what we're talking about? Because I think it is so much more than just on a college campus. And how do we bring it to people who, who may not know what student affairs is, who may not have even went to college, um, and really just kind of expand our knowledge. So if you're out there too, I really highly encourage you to share this with people who may not be in the field. Um, because I think we could really start a conversation that's larger than just institutions of higher ed. I agree with you, Nat. I share student friends now with actually a lot of my friends who are not in the field and they enjoy it. And Marnie, close us out. Sure. So I, I'm thinking about a lot of things and, um, you know, I really appreciate the perspectives that Joshua and Matt have shared um, a lot around, you know, accessibility of like folks for consulting, presenting, you know, being able to go to a space for a couple of days and then leave. Um, and also this idea about how do we keep these conversations going? You know, I'm very honored to be able to be on this panel and talk about side hustles and, you know, share space with Joshua and Matt and, and you, Glenn. And also I'm, I'm asking myself, okay, well, what's next? Like, how can we, you know, actively engage with this information differently? 
to contribute to not only the profession, but to um, other aspects of education and beyond. Because, you know, deep down, I, I do believe that, you know, we are all learners. And I know I'm, I'm, never, I'm never done learning and growing. And that ripples you know, to myself internally and externally to the people that I engage with. So how can we bring up this mindset of continuing to be learners and to engage in, in this information, whether it's about side hustles or all the other awesome um, things that Student Affairs Now is doing, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of energy and a lot of um, intelligence and a lot of skills in, in our virtual Zoom room right now and beyond. So looking forward to future opportunities to just collaborate and to, to share our, our um, knowledge and learn together. Thank you, Marnie. And with that, we've reached our time. And I wanna thank Nat, Marnie, and Joshua for being my guests today on this episode on Side Hustles. I wanna kind of, uh, additionally, I wanna kind of thank Marnie for um, suggesting this topic. I thought this was a really great piece. And then also for introducing um, Joshua to me, I, I think that this, this conversation has just been amazing. And I think, um, and obviously I have, this is the fun part. I get to um, show off to my, my fellow co-host. I get to thank Nat Ambrosi right here, who does all of this behind scenes works for these episodes, making sure they get ready for release. So, um, and again, I also want to thank our sponsors, Stylist Publishing and Anthology. These shows would not be possible without them. So thank you so much. And to our audience and listeners, thanks for joining us. If you're listening today and if you're not already receiving our weekly newsletter, please do that. Please visit our website at studentaffairsnow.com. Scroll to the bottom of the homepage. Add your email to the mail, uh, MailChimp list. Um, and while you're there, peruse it. Check it out. Um, Nat puts a lot of time and effort into organizing it along with Heather. So check out our archives. And um, I also just want to uh, um, share that we hit a major milestone. We have over 10,000 downloads and, and the number of subscribers just keeps on growing. And we know it is all because of our listeners and our audience out there. So please continue to, uh, to share this. It makes us free for everyone. Again, I'm Glenda Guzman. Thanks for spending time with us and listening um, to our episode or watching the, if you're on, if you're going to be looking at a YouTube, I hope you really enjoyed this episode. I know I did. Wherever you are, go out and make it a good day. Bye, everyone.